Hi, my name is David Siegler and welcome to my podcast. Hi everybody, David here and I'm delighted, thrilled, honoured, absolutely chuffed to bits to have with me uh, this evening, we're at a very special location, but the wonderful Dan Buchan. For those of you who don't know Dan Buchan, he is one of the founding partners of Aspire Properties. It's a deal packaging machine team. Oh, him, together with his business partner, Jamie York, packaged over a thousand deals now. Um, Fantastic business, doing really, really well. Uh, I've come to know him a little bit over the last year or two. At the same time, uh, Dan has established himself as a speaker, a trainer. He is working on the No Money Down training at Progressive Property, uh, where he's now a mentor and a coach. So, Dan... It's been me all the way so far, they think you might not even be here. That's all right, I'm definitely here. Cool. Uh, Welcome, welcome, welcome. So uh, I know that you've been doing some research for this, which is uh, very unusual because these are not usually researched. We just go straight (laughs) at it. I hear they're not usually interviewed either. This is the first interview you've done, right? You're an interview virgin. Well, you always remember the first one, Dan. I will remember this one. Okay. (laughs) Should we share with the people where we are? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Go on, you tell them. So we're in Palmer in Mallorca at the minute, all uh, writing some books. So David's here writing an excellent book. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to disclose what the strategy is to them yet. No, it's top secret then. Top secret. Top secret. All right, we're under strict orders from Mr. Rob Moore. Um, Myself and Jamie are writing different books as well, as are a few of our other friends here. So we're having a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun here. We are, and what what's been able, uh, it's really helped me, team, is that I've been able to get people to commit to spend just half hour, 40 minutes with me, talking about what they do, what they know, in an effort to help you, and that's what we're going to do this evening. And Dan, you did a little bit of research. What is it that the people need to know? Yeah, so I did have a little poll just to see um, in one of our pro- property communities about deal sourcing, just to see what sort of things people wanted to hear, and the number one was how to attract the right investors. So it's topical because I've been writing about it anyway. I think it's, um, we're changing the way we do it because I think we've been too open to attracting everyone. And I know that people, when they start, can want to just have anyone, you know, any man and his dog will come along and say, I want to buy a deal. They don't need the verification. They won't get the proof of funds, that sort of thing. But we need them to be the right investor to actually go through and pull through to complete a deal to get money in our bank accounts. So I think that's what we want to focus on for a little bit today. Really, really helpful. So when you say the right investors, are we talking deal packaging? Are we talking joint ventures? What in terms of they, they encompass both because the process and we, we've written the process out for our business now because we want to scale it is the same for both. So you've got on one side an investor who wants to invest money normally at a certain return on cash employed. I know that's a big um, factor in David's business. That's kind of the main thing he focuses on and. On the other side, it's whether they want to join venture with you or invest with you on an interest-only basis or if they want to buy a property themselves. Something I'd love to say is that it's always up to them or up to the investor or up to you what you want to do, kind of not just with your life, but your reason why is yours. So for one investor, it might be the best idea in the world for them to be an interest-only investor because they just want to hand over the cash, have it back in a couple of years, very kind of risk-free and trusting it to you to give to you whereas others might be more hands-on. They want to actually buy the property, um, hold it for life, maybe hand it down to their kids. And it's not for me to say what's right or wrong for them, but to facilitate them making money. And that's what I want to make sure we do. Okay, so there's a couple of questions popped out of what you just said. So uh, I don't know if you'll want to disclose this, Dan, but it was a question that jumped into my head. Um, People who want to 
invest for uh, like an interest rate return. So <clears throat> how do you decide what interest rate to pay? Is it just plucked out of the air? Have you got a formula? Is it what you think you're going to get away with? Do you research with the investor first? And what, what sort of rates do you pay and how do you decide? So it's plucked from air and based on what you can afford. Um, the number one mistake that uh, myself and Jamie made probably about five or so years ago, um, and I see a lot of new investors doing the same thing today, is trying to pay too much for the money because you kind of see it as the you know the golden cradle. That's not the right phrase, is it? But, but like the, the, no, the golden like cradle. Yeah. Let's leave it in. It'll ca- leave yeah. it in, team. It'll catch on. That'll golden cradle. Um, they kind of see it as I need to give out. Oh, you know, I'm at the start of my journey, they feel that insecurity, perhaps in themselves, having only done a month or two of property, um, see all these people that are leagues ahead of them, perhaps. And they say, oh, sugar, sorry, I need to give out about 15%, you know, to get a return on cash here uh, to, to, for people to be interested in me. But it's actually the opposite effect. So um, one of the things we did, and I wrote about this in my book recently, is that we initially, when the, um, do you know PS13 free, the regulations around JV? Oh, I know it inside out, Dan. So I've studied it in detail. Bit, bedtime so reading so is. Advertising, marketing yourself to attract um JV finance. Yeah, so it's unregulated collective investment schemes is kind of what it prohibits you marketing to the retail investor, which, you know, in real terms means normal people. Um, and when that first came out, it was about the same time as we were starting to raise financing property. And what I found was that actually we wanted to somehow get around it. We didn't know it. we wanted to raise the money anyway. Um, so we, amongst other things, one of the ideas I had, which I thought was a bright idea at the time, um, was to create a product that was almost like a very small commercial property investment. So about two and a half grand people would pay it for one actual unit of something, um, and then we'd pay them the rent on that. And that would be like an eight or 10% return. Initially, we were going to give a lot more, but the people we were working with to raise the money advised that, look, if you give anything more than 10%, people start to see it as very risky. And it's, it's proceeded to be true, because if I think about... Um, my parents, who are very kind of accounting, audit background. Um, if you've ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I know many of you will have done, they're very much encompassed the kind of poor dad mentality of safe, secure job, that sort of thing. And if someone said, I've got a property for you that's below market value, they just, you know, they, they think it's something wrong with it. Um, you know, dodgy at best, a scam at worst. You know, how can this person be selling the house for less? But obviously, as deal sources, we know different, we know there's avenues to facilitate that but it's the same with raising finance in that if you offer 15% 12% on your money and you don't need to or there's no justification for it then you're going to end up with only professional sort of investors who you know they, they want everything you know they want you to throw in the the kitchen sink and the dog as well uh, along with you paying them their interest that's a really interesting one isn't it because what i think you're saying if i flip it on its head if you offer 50, 20, 15 to 20% on a project where on the face of it is justified by the arithmetic, you can do that. If you do it, you're going to put people off investing, even though it's a better return. Absolutely. And we, we prefer taking interest-only investment for two reasons. One is you can advertise it to the retail public a lot easier. Um, you know, you can go out and say, I'm offering 8% for this project. Um, the second is that it means that we can... If we've got a flip the say making 40% return on cash for a year, it's cheaper to offer the interest only finance. Sure. Absolutely, you know, and obviously everyone wants to make money. And the onus is then on us to deliver in the time frame 
rather than the joint venture partner taking some of that risk. You know, if they lent us all the money, we could take two years and their return would get worse, but ours wouldn't make much difference. I entirely get it. If you try and finance that same deal through the banks, okay, the headline interest rate might be lower, but the hoops you've got to jump through are much higher. Banks might not be interested in it. There's banking fees in and out at both ends. You're much better off working with like-minded people who want a better return on their money. Yeah. So a couple of things you mentioned on the way through. This is the key. I think friends listening are really, really going to want to know this. First of all, what is your typical investor and where do you find them, Dan? How do you market yourself? So each sort of investor or vendor we create an avatar for, you know, so just which is just someone who in layman terms would make the perfect investor. So say they'd have an income of around £250,000 a year, which means it's a threshold for having real uh, disposable income, you know, income to invest much further beyond the means of what they could, you know, reasonably need to live. Um, generally speaking, they'd be living on about 30% of that money and they've got the rest of it to do what they want with. So that's kind of number one. Um, they obviously have to be wealthy and that normally entails being in an older age bracket. But there's tons and tons of money out there in the EFA. I think the, the net wealth in the UK at the minute is about 10.1 trillion. Um, you know, it's going up all the time and there's almost a million millionaires. I think we're going to hit it in the next year or so in the UK. In the UK? Yeah. And a lot a of million, them, million. It was yes. only like 70 million people. Yeah, it's 970,000 at the minute. And wow. bear in mind that there does count property millionaires as well, but it's a lot of people. I mean, equity sort of millionaires. A yeah, lot of them cash. have made, you know, money from their houses in London appreciating in value. It's one in 70 people. And that means that, and that includes, you know, um, children as well. So what you want to make is it really is what, one in 40 million? You know, it's sort of thing. If you count only adults, you're going to... If you take the other 16. Yeah, you take the 16. Or, you know, all the people that you naturally wouldn't approach, perhaps. Um, you know, that people actively looking to invest. It's That's a lot of people. And I remember thinking, like, okay, so that's one in, say, one in 60. And your average person on Facebook will, will have around 200 to 350 friends. You're thinking, where's my six millionaires? You know, but a lot of them will congregate in the same places. So you want to put yourself in those places where that avatar, and we'll call him Ian the investor, um, you know, where Ian or is going. So is this physically in the places or are you joining a conversation on, uh, on forums or in uh, online tools that allow you to put yourself in front of these potential investors? How, how are you reaching them there? So I find that the most scalable kind of model for reaching people is either online or, you know, high impact things, public speaking, speaking to people on the phone is obviously a lot more leverage than having to travel all over the place. Yeah. Um, and it means that you can kind of reach a lot of people and those that are interested and attracted to what you're offering will come to you. And likewise, those that you're not interested in won't. So it's a real exercise in telling the world what you're up to and you will attract the people that you need. And with investors, one of the beauties of it is you only need to attract two or three and then get good referrals to kind of have it for life. Um, they said that a business only needs a thousand people, a thousand customers that love you to perpetually run. You know, it can be in any sort of industry. But with investment, you only need 10 at most. You know, um, I know a good friend of mine, he had a football club that recently, um, a few years ago, were promoted to the Premier League and he raised investment off of one of the people in there they were promoting and through word of mouth he's now got all of his investments sorted he can't find deals quick enough similarly we we used to um kind of a funny story run all the way around london 
because uh, obviously we're from Leeds, based up north, and London is the highest concentration of multimillionaires in the world, let alone the UK. So we really are in a good kind of spot. Um, and we lined up a day of investors or so and decided we were going to go down. And one of them lived in Wembley, so we went along for him for lunch. He booked in half an hour for us. You know, he had a busy schedule, obviously, or that's what he said anyway. We stayed for an hour for lunch, so we must have been doing something right. And he invited us back to dinner that night. The, the challenge was we'd also booked another one about half an hour away and another one south of the river in London Bridge for the same day. And we were running around, you know, like headless chickens. Um, to sweat again, the taxi for one of them um, had a second lunch with someone else, uh, which was, you know, I know I know these are all small things, but they all mount up. Then the travel car down to south of the river to meet the next investor, then trying to get back up on time. If you're late for an investment, it really sets it off on the bad footing because that foundation's wrong. Mm. And so what we decided to do instead, and I encourage everyone to do this, is to value yourself more. Um, and centralize yourself in one place so that you can attract, invite investors to you. You've got your set things set up, you know, you could be sat anywhere with your cup of coffee. It doesn't have to be in your fancy, you know, it can be a Starbucks, but you're sat there, you've got your plan and you know you're not running around after them. The people are coming to you. I get it. I get it completely. You're absolutely right. Uh, I identify what you said because although we've got a very different business model, yours is scaled up and mine's Jamie loves to call my business a lifestyle business because uh, he thinks I don't work as hard as you guys that's cool um, but if you've got 10 investors active and ready to buy at any given time you can do anything and that's all you need the big hurdle Dan for people who are just starting starting out listening to you and me talking about the 10 investors and having people come to you and, and all that sort of thing although you and I know it's not a million miles to get to that place. It feels like a million miles for somebody who's new coming into the industry. Uh, they might not have credibility. They might not have a property portfolio yet. They might not have a team. They haven't got your um, social media skills, internet skills. They're, they're, they're really just starting out. They go into network meetings maybe, trying to meet people, and they come away with the impression that they've gone looking for money and everyone's been asking them for money. Yeah, you've, been, yeah. you've been to those meetings, right? Um, how can we give them comfort that if they keep doing what we tell them to do, the money will start flowing? Okay. So the first thing to give them comfort is that the proof is in people, not just like me and you, but the hundreds of other investors who have yeah. successfully built either a deal package business or raised joint venture finance to achieve their goals. Um, you know, people that have wanted to travel for their lives and use their passive income uh, to do that or go on holiday every six weeks like our friend Jackie Tomes does um, or look after the kids like our friend Tony Gargan does. There's, you know, there's examples we can perhaps reel off here. Um, real life people, if you look in YPN every month, there's at least, you know, one or two, I think there's up and coming new investors that have managed to achieve that level. So that's where you get your social proof from that it happens. But I think one of the words they picked up there is credibility and how can we make that happen for every person listening? Um, so one of the things that I kind of took me a while to get over was um, being kind of young. So, I, you know, I was 19 when we first started trying to raise investment. I have the uh, face of looking like a 10 year old, you know, which does in this sort of environment doesn't particularly help. Um, because if you're going up to someone, you know, my apprehension was they're going to think, who is this kid? You know, it looks like he's barely out of school. Is he bunking off? Whatever it might be that, you know. 
um, the thinking. It certainly wasn't in my heart the sort of thing that felt like I could raise money. Um, so, so how did you feel first time out? So the first few times out, you've managed to meet people you think might be investors. I, wanna, I haven't asked you how you found them at this point, but you, those first meetings, Dan, how were you feeling? What did you say? How did it go? How did you deal with the fact that, you know, you're like a baby-faced assassin? Oh, well, the first time it went crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's good. Yeah, uh, people you need know, to know this. I remember getting up. It was um, Kent Pin, uh, you know, one of the Kent Property Investing Network yeah. meetings. And um, the only person I knew there was the chap who I'd spoke to on email about two hours before saying I was turning up. Can you let me in for free? you know you get a first time free with a lot of these ones particularly if you ask lights nicely um so i managed to do that didn't know anyone obviously everyone there's older than i was and i remember doing that kind of 30 second elevator pitch worrying for about five minutes what to say and then pretty much just standing over might as well just say please give me some money you know um what i was doing was talking about what i wanted and nothing to do with what i'm adding to investors and the the only difference between then and now is the level of value that i feel for myself and I get that you have to go through a journey of actually you know developing perhaps a business or yourself um, through personal development to get to that level but being able to drop the apprehension that you've got about uh, marketing yourself is one of the main characteristics of someone that's um, able to raise finance so what I'd encourage everyone to do is essentially look at maybe list the top five things so this was an exercise we did with the VIPs um, a couple of months back is list list a few things that pr- are perhaps preventing you mentally from wanting to market yourself so maybe it's i don't know what you used to think like david but at the start but i doubt myself you know who's going to listen to me how am i going to build build rapport with these people um they're a different age bracket to me wherever it, or i don't want my friends to know was a really common one mm-hmm. um, like you said i don't have the credibility yeah recognizing what they are is fine putting them on one piece of paper but you then need to develop past that and start to iteratively push outside your comfort zone because the the ability to grow and the ability to raise finance lives on the boundary between success between challenge and uh, support so in some ways you've got great communities like the progressive community to power you forward to encourage you to keep seeing these case studies and examples of people doing it and you know when you see someone who started after you and then they've managed to raise some finance. I get that everyone gets a little bit like, oh, that could have been me, but that pushes you forward to actually do something. And at the same time, you're challenging yourself um, to you know, step up a little bit more, maybe be more confident in these speeches, approach more people. Um, so the mindset is number one. So getting yourself some mindset training and talking to people uh, around that is the first thing. This- so when I started out, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I. I found it made me much more confident if I knew that I had a decent product. And let me define decent product. So when I first started, it's a very similar situation to we have today. Uh, the numbers are slightly different, but it was, again, very low interest rates. And uh, savers were having a really, really rough time. I mean, just recently, Dan, I sat in a restaurant and there were some... Uh, two middle-aged couples on the next table and the two ladies got up and rushed out in the middle of lunch and you know and and were really quite cross and they came back in and sit sat down and, and that, like we were sitting almost on top of them we we're on the next table and I, I st- she looked at me I just caught her eye and said are you all right she, she said yes we've just been out because um 
I don't know if you're aware, she said to me, but the Bank of England Monetary Committee met to the meeting today. It's a Thursday. Mm, yeah. I said, oh, well, yeah, I am kind of involved. I, 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 are you in property? Have you got lots of mortgages? Were you worried they were going to go up? And she said, no. She said, we're savers. We're desperate for the money to go up. So right. people are actually, there's such a lot of pain. So back to my point, what bolstered me, gave me the confidence, was knowing that producing a decent property investment, I was healing people's pain because they could take the money out of the bank where they're getting like flumpants, right? Putting it into a bricks and mortar investment, which would cash flow from day one. Over time, you can't promise, but we suspect very strongly that the uh, capital growth will come. And with that confidence sort of internalized in me, um, from my perspective, that's what gave me the confidence to put myself out there because I knew I was doing a good job. But you've got an element of youth that I didn't have, right? Because I was very similar age to the people I was talking to. And uh, that must have been very tough to get over the youth thing. It, it's one of these that everything has its own, its positives and its negatives. So yes, you look long, but at the same time, that can be surprising and quite um, engaging and inspiring to some other people. You know, perhaps see like a younger version of themselves or perhaps um, see that because you've done it a short period of time, perhaps that you know you've done better in some ways um, none of it's right or wrong people will attract and not attract different people um, do, do you feel you have to have more knowledge more experience to build your credibility you have to have more uh, to offer an investor in an investor face-to-face meeting than somebody who's a bit older are they are you quizzed more heavily by people who might invest money in you when you started not really, um, but mostly because I didn't put myself to, to start with in a position to do that, which is what I should have done. You okay. know, I put myself in a position to be quiz. But as you rightly say, most you know, you've got a couple next to you that are running out of the room because they've just heard yeah. excitedly that the the Bank of interest, England interest rates went up by 025 percent. Yeah. You know, and that's that's not what I'd found exciting. What what builds credibility more than anything else is, as you say, knowing your product, but knowing that you're able to deliver value to something. And the gap between where those people are and where you can help them to get to is, you know, is your product. So what would, what would help me if someone was telling me this stuff is that knowing that there is a lot of money out there, the average, the best ISA at the minute, I think is 2.25%. Um, knowing things like property goes up in three different ways, which a lot of people forget. Um, yes, you've got the rental income coming in month on month. It's a bricks and mortar investment, but you've also got, as you say, the capital growth. You expect it average kind of 4% a year. Um, and that's 4% on the, the full value of the property. Yeah. If you're only putting in 25% or less of that, if you're leaving it in, you know, your, your amount of money is going up 12. Absolutely. You're, you're leveraging the bank's mortgage yeah. rate as well. Um, on top of that, rents go up over time as well as demand, you know, increases and supply doesn't increase at the same pace. Rents continue to go up. So there's three different ways that property is making people money. And there's no other asset class that I know of that does that. And that's what you're dealing in. You're dealing in not necessarily property, but a vehicle to make people money. You know, my if I had a stand up line now, and I think it's very similar to the one that um, we we both say is that yeah. I increase the wealth of my investors. Yeah. And that's what you, the listener, does is you increase the wealth of your investors through education, through you know teaching them that property investment is going to make them a sounder, safer future, and also by making them more money. Yeah. So I think credibility comes from that. Um, one of the other things I say, because some of the, some of the leads may may have been on the sort of JV course or stuff like that, and heard maybe the Crest model. Yes. Um, you know, credibility. Uh, uh. 
know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, that sort main, of thing. Yeah. We both nailed the crest model there. Yeah. We, I went straight to T, which is trust. Yeah. yeah. Return, exit, security. Yeah, so credibility, return, exit. I thought yeah. you were saying that. <laughs> there's, there's no editing on this, Dan. We're going straight through. Right, okay. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> we'll have to take out those jokes at the start. <laughs> no, they're all staying here. So, um, yeah, so credibility, return, exit, security, and trust are yeah. the main sort of things. But if someone says, how do you build credibility? It's not like you go and get some from, you know, that sort of thing. So it comes from consistency. And marketing nowadays, I think, is a, a competition for people's attention. So come on, where's your marketing? Where do you market to find people with the, the trillions of pounds? You know, that, that um, t- what was it, seventh of the population who are millionaires? Where do you find them? So, yeah, so nearly a million people being millionaires. Where you'd find them is online, because this is the easiest way to find them initially. Interesting. Um, if, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a couple of different ways. Cool. I think that's the best way, because then if you, it's almost like having multiple streams of property income, but multiple streams yeah. of investors. Yeah. Um, this is how I yeah. do it, how we find results. So, so if you're listening, write it down. Unless you're in the car, don't write it down, okay? So the first one is obviously to, if you've got online presence, you can build that up and you can reach a lot more people than you physically possibly ever could. It's a lot easier now to fill rooms, to you know reach people than it ever has been. And you do that by consistently posting content. The reason is content and just talking about things that, so marketing now is a, comp- is a competition for people's attention. We wake up, I think it's 107 times a day people check their phone. Even, you know, even people like you, David, I've seen you check the phone a lot. <laughs> and it's true. we're away from Mrs. S here, aren't we? This yeah, we are. Checking it for. So, um, yeah, so people check their phone a lot from dawn to dusk. And in that time, you, know, you need to get a slot of their attention. Yeah. And the way to do that is, is sharp, relevant marketing and relevant content, um, which will then attract people to you. It reaches a lot of people. The second way, which is, I guess, a physical way of meeting people, is to think, where would my investors go and frequent those places? And again, you said, how do we build credibility? It's consistency. Yeah. You will not build a relationship going there once, much in the same way you don't get married on the first date. Um, you get to know someone, you get to know them over time, turn up two or three times. This can be angel events. I think I'd recommend Rob's um, CD be your own bank, I think yep. it is, where they, they'd say where all these investors sort of frequent. Yep. Good stuff um, on there. And the third is telling everyone what you do to get referrals because it's a lot easier to talk to someone who's warm, you know, talk to someone who you already know. And a lot of people are kind of afraid to do that because, again, because of that first step we spoke about, about the value they think they bring. But if you know you bring genuine value, you should be telling everyone. It's almost bad if you don't. You know, you've got people that you know that are friends and family that are genuinely losing money in opportunity costs and actually losing Absolutely. money. Absolutely. You know, in in savings and and people are quite smart. They they're aware of it, even if they don't fret about it on a daily basis. They know that they're getting zero uh, return on their money in the bank, and the inflation rate, the official rate, is what three percent. I think it's a bit higher in my life. And so they know their the capital's at risk. And we're, we're talking about putting something into bricks and mortar investment here. You know, yeah. it's not like we're talking about some um, new fad or new scheme or anything like that. Property investment's been around for over 2,000 years. I think the, again, having just researched this for a bit, one of the earliest sort of BMV investors was a Roman chap. He was the richest man in Rome called uh, Marcus Crassus. If you, if you ever seen a TV series, Spartacus. You yeah, know. I think I went to school with him, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> <Dan. laughs> he was... Um, 
He used to buy the assets of Romans he knew were going to be exiled or you know extradited from uh, oh, public life, buy them, buy them below market value, and oh. sell them for a profit. And he said that, that was two two odd thousand years ago. Yeah. And it's, it's the same principles, and you know, property goes up in value. Can't build more land. They, these are all kind of what's the word phrases like individual kind of things yeah. for a reason. But you're saying they're like eternal concepts. Yeah, the, the property prices will go up. Yeah, and the you know and Taxes is the other one of the other sort of certain things. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. yeah. Let's not mention the third one. No. No. Okay. So here's something that, that I mean, this is fascinating stuff, Dan. But I, I identify with so much of it. It's, it's really interesting when I talk about successful people. I talk to successful people in property. The fundamentals that we use are basically the same. Uh, but newcomers coming to the industry are skeptical and they don't believe us. So. You're a young man, you're getting on your way. Let me take you back to where it started. Mm. You got to that meeting where, with an investor, either on the phone or Skype or face-to-face, where for the first time, you got it, right? You got it right. You walked away from the meeting, you're skipping down the road, you got the money. Okay, can you, can you remember that meeting? Yeah, absolutely. Right, so how long did it take you to get from sort of your fumbling first steps on your journey to get to that point? Because... My concern is people listen to us and they give up then. They give up mm. too soon. So how long did it take you to get to the point where you were credible, your crest model was sufficient for people to invest? It took as long as it took us to be confident in what we were offering. And the, the reason I say that quite clearly, it was nothing to do with the length of time. What, what happened was that um, there was an investor that we'd been spoken to for a while, you know, talking about selling them a deal, but... We'd, we always mentioned JV with people because, you know, again, we were toying with playing with it, starting to tell people what we were doing. Um, this was before any sort of regulations came in, you know, believe it or not, five or six years ago. Um, and we then realised that a property had come up that was fantastic for it. And you could see that it worked because the comparables were so clear. It was a property that was £100,000 in Cambridgeshire. Um, it already valued at 125 and the sold STC rate, which is the kind of rate of which sold properties that relate to properties still on the market, was over 50%, which means it was a really hot selling area. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me do Okay. You're talking in shorthand a little bit there. So I, I know what you meant, but go on, just try it in English nice and slowly for people who are just setting So one of the big factors in knowing whether this is for a flip property, if it's, you know, a high Absolutely. Demand, a lot of people are into flips. Yeah. high demand area. Um is the ratio to which properties are sold subject to contract on the market, which means they're recently sold or agreed to sell, yeah. than those that are still sitting on the market, not necessarily sitting for ages, but you know. So if you search a quarter of a mile and include that sold subject to contract, it will come up with X number of properties, say 17. Right, so you're on right move now looking at properties that are available yeah. in these postcodes, right? Yeah. Yes. In, within a quarter mile of the property. Okay, that's cool. Say there's 17 in total, but if you take that sold subject contract filter off, and then there's only sort of six or seven that appear that aren't sold, oh. you know, it's, there's a huge percentage of them that have recently sold, and it means that they're still either going through the conveyancing process or recently sold. It's a hot area. Gotcha. Um, they've not been on the market very long, except for the old chestnuts that aren't going to sell because. Usually because yeah, the money's it, wrong, right? Yeah, they, they, they want too much money. Like you know, any, anything over 33% is very attractive, generally. Cool. You know? um, so we knew this was a hot area. And because we were so confident of that, 
Um, we then went to meet with these investors, so I'm happy enough I couldn't disclose the name. There was a, a lady called Sandro, and we went to meet her in a restaurant in London. Uh, so I turned up with my, at the time, my fanciest uh, belt and, you know, shoes and stuff, I can call a shirt. Yeah, and you're still wearing them today? Yeah, you know, I know. Yeah. Um, and put on my best cufflinks and, you know, best watch or what have you, and went to meet this investor. So we sat down and had some dinner with them. It was really nice. We didn't really talk about the property too much. But it was because we knew that this property would make money that we were able to do it confidently. And that's when people believed in us, is when we believed in cool. ourselves. Cool. That's really, really important. So if you're listening out there and you want to know how to take that step forward, it's know your numbers, it's believe in yourself, it's maybe joint venture, don't forget. Dan and Jamie work together and there's a great power in that relationship because... I know that you bring different things to your business, right? But at the same time, uh, you are each other's confidants, best friends, and support, right? And that's really important. So uh, I was on my own to a great extent. It's a bit of a lonely place to be, property, when it's not going well. So maybe find yourself a mentor, find yourself a coach, find yourself a friend. Find yourself who's just starting out together. So long as you don't sit there and talk each other down, you know, that's the important thing. Talk each other up. So it's very, very simple. What Dan has said to you in words of one syllable, the best tip of the podcast episode today is know your stuff, know you're working in an area which has got high demand where properties fly off the shelves, where you're offering somebody uh, something uh, that they can monetize and move on quickly. There's an exit forum as in the crest, for them as in the Crest model if they need to exit. Not everyone wants to exit, but it's nice to have it as a fallback if you've got to pull your money out quick, right? If you can explain to an investor what you do and how it hits all the Crest criteria, I think it's pretty much job done. All you've got to do then is practice your presentation. And when you get your presentation right, money will come. That's, that's how I found it. Absolutely. And in terms of finding those first few investors, um, one of the hardest things we found was who you know who do you talk to how do you close them so yeah i guess the, the number one tip we had for that was we've now discovered is you know when someone asks you i don't know how you do this david what do you do people generally say i'm in property or something like that the the answer should always be i increase the wealth for my investors yes or something similar yes if the person then once you ask them back you know what do you do and they talk about themselves whatnot if they then come back to it as a topic that's a really clear indicator that they're genuinely interested in it. Yes. We then look to take that relationship further with a phone call or a meeting or such. Yeah. yeah. Now, it took me a little while to get to that space because I, when people said to me, what do you do? I started to talk about property, right? But I was a little bit self-conscious about it at the beginning. I was. And they pick up on that subconsciously or consciously, right? And they immediately think there's something about your presentation that they immediately think you've gone into sales mode and you're going to try and sell them a house, right? And, and that was underlying, you know, the human communication one-to-one is a very subtle thing, but they could pick that up from mm. me. It was only when I switched with true volition that I meant that if people invested in my projects, they would increase their wealth, and I was helping them heal a problem because they couldn't get any interest in the bank that money started to flow to me. Yeah. That's really, really important, that you believe 
what it is in what you do, and what you do is believable to the investor on the other side of the table. So exactly. So you know, I can now sit and say with Volition, I can happily show anyone around three or four projects we're doing in the minute and show the top tips we're using to add value. You know, we've started to do investor days and that sort of thing. Um, there's not a person in the UK, or not many people that you know, I can think of at all that I couldn't help increase their wealth in property because we've done all the different strategies and seen them work. You know, we package over a thousand deals. The, the investors we sell to also want that increase in wealth. That's also what we facilitate there. Cool. And so, you know, comes and we can help anyone. Fab. Dan, I, I think our friends are going to find this really, really interesting. Um, I've had a great, I came to know you guys, what, 18 months, two years ago. I'm fascinated by what you do. I'm fascinated how many multi-millions of pounds you're going to be in uh, running and in charge of by the time you get to my age, if you're spared, and how cool would that be? I won't be around to see it. Uh, but, you know, hats off to you two guys. If anybody's out there listening with the money, we, and we've, we've touched a few nerves with you, uh, you've got money in the bank, inflation's eating away with it, you don't know what to do, by all means talk to me, I can help. But if you want to contact Jamie and Dan, where do they contact you? Dan, if they want to talk to you. So the, the best place is to get to the Aspire Properties website. That's Aspire. Yeah, Aspire Properties. Aspire. Yeah. A-S-P-I-R-E. Yeah. We're recently, we're soon rebranding as well, and I'm pleased to be able to sort of announce, I guess, for yourself to Aspire Property Group. And it's something we're really excited about just to, you know, bring everything under one, you know, roof because, it you know, we want to do that. We want to, we're setting up a new sort of sourcing arm as well. So we're really excited about that. We've got the team for it, the infrastructure for it. We're just now sending the message out there like we're telling everyone else to do. Yeah, and uh, absolutely. Couldn't be a better example of, uh, you know, doing it yourself and showing people how to do it. Just want to refer back to your team, right? So I've had a little bit of interaction with your team. You've got some great young people there, yeah. But they know their stuff. They do. And, um, you know, I would recommend anyone to talk to Jamie and Dan. Dan, I think we're running out of time. It's not a problem, it's nearly bedtime. It is. Um, Can I say thank you? I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you putting the effort in. Uh, I really think we've given value to people who are sitting out on their journey and want to move forward. Uh, At some point, we come back and do it again? Absolutely, yeah. It's, you know, good good fun to be here, David, especially yourself in... Majorca, absolutely. Seeing, uh, seeing all the books. Yeah, we're going to sit in that room again tomorrow and write some more of our books. Yeah. Team at home, if you're in the car, wherever you are listening to this, thank you so much. Um, we'll be back very soon uh, with the next podcast episode. As always, I'll try and serve you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening. I am David Siegler. See you on the next episode.